Hello you guys, it's Katie and welcome back to another episode of Crime and Crochet. In this week's episode, we're going to be covering the unsolved murder case of Betty Gale Brown. So with that, let's just get straight into this case. Betty Gale Brown was a 19-year-old college student who was studying biology, and on October 27th of 1961, she had just a regular day, and she ended up going home for dinner with her parents, and at dinner time, she told them that she was going back to the college campus to some of her friend's dorm room, and they were all going to study because they had an exam the next day. She told her parents that she'd be home by 11 o'clock. So that is what she did. She went to the campus and did study with her friends for that exam, and she did actually end up leaving later than she had told her parents. She ended up leaving around midnight. I'm guessing she probably got caught up and they were studying more because maybe they needed more time to study. Something like that. I don't think it was anything sinister yet. But she did end up leaving around 12 o'clock because she also saw another friend when she was going to her car and they ended up stopping and talking to each other. And he saw her drive off towards the direction that would take her home. So twice that night, Betty Gale's mother actually drove down to the campus herself to look for her because when 11 o'clock rolled around, she was really concerned that her daughter was not home yet. So around 12 o'clock, she did go out looking for her and once more that night as well. And when she still wasn't home by 2.30, that's when she got her husband, Betty Gale's father, out of bed and they called the police to start searching for her. So at this point, all of the police officers that are on duty now have a description of her car and the license plate. So everyone is on the lookout for her. And at some point, an officer finds a car that matches the description somewhere near the campus. So this was about three o'clock in the morning when the officer found her vehicle and he could tell from far away that it looked like there was one person in the driver's seat. So he goes up to the car and that's when Betty Gale is found with a brawl around her neck and someone had strangled her with her own bra. So she's basically sitting in the car like you normally would to drive, but except her head is tilted back, almost looking like she's asleep, besides the fact that she's not breathing. So originally detectives thought that the motive for her murder may have been sexual because obviously she was strangled with her own bra, so it seems like it may have been, but they actually said that none of her clothes were disturbed besides the fact that she was not wearing the bra, it was around her neck, and the top two buttons of her blouse were undone. Other than that, her outfit was exactly how she would have been wearing it. So very strange, and it does not seem like that was a part of the motive. So for a long time, 
and still to this day, they never really had a good conclusion for what motive would have been for this crime. So, for this case, they did all types of investigating. I mean, they said that they had, like, 24 or 25 investigators on this case for the next, like, two months until the end of the year, and they were doing all types of things, like going through her diary, finding the names of all of the guys she had dated while she was on that college campus, and giving all of them polygraph tests, tracking down people that had newspaper articles stored about her, like all kinds of crazy stuff they were doing to try to find the killer and nothing was working for them. Almost a year, year and a half to two years later is when the case sort of becomes a cold case because after this, they don't have very many leads. They've investigated every rumor, every tip that they've had about this case and they just don't have anything else to go off of, so that's when the case becomes cold. In January of 1965, a man by the name of Alex Arnold Jr. was arrested in Oregon for disorderly conduct, so he was kind of a homeless guy that didn't really have anywhere to live, and he was drunk on the streets, so they took him in and he was fined $25. He didn't have the $25 to pay, so instead they put him in jail for 10 days. Now, when he was in jail, he came up to one of the guards and said that he needed to talk to somebody. And then the guards try to talk to him, and he says, no, like a police officer. And so they get him a police officer, and that's when he tells them that he thinks he killed somebody in Kentucky. And he tells this detective that he is like 99% sure that it was Betty Gail Brown. So this detective gets in contact with the Lexington Sheriff's Office in Kentucky where her murder occurred. And within a day, they are in Oregon and they are there to interrogate him. So he confessed when they were interrogating him. And they had another detective writing down his confession, and he signed the confession under oath, saying that, yes, this was his confession, and he did this. But as far as I can tell, this is the only evidence they have against him is his confession. They don't really have anything else linking him to this crime other than his word. So the short version of his confession was that he was drunk that night, And he tried to go to a park that was right across from the college campus to sleep it off. But then there was some people there, so he couldn't sleep there. So then he went across the street to the college campus, fell asleep under some bushes, woke up again, drank half a bottle of wine that he had on him. And then he was kind of just wandering around trying to find someone to give him a match because he wanted to smoke some cigarettes that he had, but he did not have anything to light them with. And he said he saw two girls making out in a car, which was right where Betty Gale's car was. And he claims that it was her and another girl. And they got mad at him and he just walked off and whatever. And they were yelling at him and it made him mad. So he grabbed the girl's head 
that was in the driver's seat slammed her head. The second girl ran away and he basically moved her out of the way, moved the car. Whole crazy story that, in my opinion, does not add up because where he says he saw these two girls in the car, that is where her friend saw her leaving from. So that doesn't add up. And then also there was many people that testified in court that she had never shown any interest in girls. Doesn't mean that wasn't something that she was just hiding, but still doesn't add up, in my opinion, with his story and other people's accounts of when she left, where her car was, all that stuff. And right before the trial kind of started, he had started to say that he at this point was not convinced that he had actually killed her so in the beginning he said 99% sure and later on he changed it to I'm not sure if I did it or not and when they went to trial they only had his confession and now him saying that he was not very sure whether or not he did kill her so it was kind of one of those things that their case became weaker and weaker right up until they went to trial. So they had a seven-day trial on basically only his confession because that was their only evidence. And by the end of it, it ended up in a hung jury. They ended up having five people vote to convict him and seven people vote to acquit him. So at that point, it was a hung jury and he was never retried, most likely because they never had any other evidence that would be strong enough to actually convict him. So this case is still unsolved and I have no idea who could have even done it. Personally, I don't believe that Alex Arnold Jr. did it because his story is so inconsistent from what actually happened according to her friends and other people. And a lot of people would probably question, well, then why come forward and say you did it? There could be a lot of motives behind him doing that. Maybe he just wanted, like, his five minutes of fame. Maybe he actually thought he did it at the time. I'm not exactly sure. But I would love to hear y'all's theories on it if you want to comment on my post about this episode on my Instagram at Crime Crochet. That would be the best place for y'all to share your theories. I think it would be really fun to have a discussion about that. But anyways, we're now going to move on to the crochet pattern feature for this episode. So this week's crochet pattern is the pumpkin wall hanging pattern by Little Light Design C-O-M on Etsy and on Instagram. It is Little Light design underscore co so this is a super cute pattern for a pumpkin wall hanging and it's perfect for this time of year and it's a fun and easy seasonal pattern and there are also more home decor patterns that you can find on their shop if you guys are interested in checking it out there will always be pictures of the pattern that i am sharing on the post that I share on the day the episode comes out. So at Crime and Crochet on Instagram, 
you can find a picture of the wall hanging that I am sharing today as well as pictures from this case and information on my sources and all of that if you are interested in that. And on my Instagram, you can also find a link for this pattern as well as I tag the creator in the post. So if you're interested in checking out their Instagram as well, the easiest way is to just find my Instagram and go from there. But with that, that is going to be it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Crime and Crochet. I hope you have enjoyed. If you did, the best way you can help me out is leaving a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you guys want to check out more information, such as the crochet pattern I shouted out in this episode, the case, my sources, and more information on the podcast, you can check out at Crime and Crochet on Instagram. And if you want some more crime and crochet related content, you can also check out the Reddit page that I started for the podcast, r slash crime and crochet. With that, I hope you guys will tune in to the next episode next Saturday of crime and crochet and make sure that you are staying safe out there so you don't become one of these victims that we talk about each week. And with that, goodbye y'all.